Welcome to the Thinking Practitioner Podcast, a podcast where we dig into the fascinating issues, conditions, and quandaries in the massage and manual therapy world today. I'm Whitney Lowe. And I'm Tel Luca. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Thinking, Thinking Practitioner. This is Tel Luca, and our sponsor for today is Books of Discovery. Let's hear from Andrew Beal. Books of Discovery might be best known for producing Trail Guide to the Body, but we're also a whole lot more. We bring you the clinical learning tools you need to inform your intentional body work. Check out our kinesiology, pathology, and A&P texts. They not only build the foundation upon which great educators like Till and Whitney rely, but will also support you through your entire career. Books of Discovery is proud to support the thinking practitioner and are offering a 15% discount when a listener enters thinking at the booksofdiscovery.com checkout page. Enjoy the show. Thanks to Andrew Beal and to Books of Discovery for their support. And be sure to check out their great offer for thinking practitioner listeners. Hey, Whitney, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. As always, we're focusing on plantar foot pain and we're trying something different today. What are we up to? Yeah, we're doing an interesting experiment today. So this is, of course, our thinking practitioner podcast episode, but we're also letting everybody sit in on some video presentation as well. We're recording this on video and doing some other interesting things. We're going to inter interject in here for the ABMP CE Summit that's coming up very shortly. So looking forward to a great uh, experiment, see if we can pull this off and uh, let everybody sort of sit behind the scenes with us on this recording and, and get some interesting things uh, shared from, uh, from us on uh, plantar foot pain today. So yeah, if you're listening to the audio, we'll do our best to describe it to you. If you're going to tune into the ABMP Summit, you're going to get some special video views and extras, especially later in the podcast when I try to actually show some hands-on techniques. That's going to be a, a real extra to check out. So Whitney, like I said, I am looking forward to our conversation because I always learn something and I think this is a subject you know a lot about. So what do you think is important for us to know about plantar foot pain? Well, we've got a lot of things to potentially look at with uh, plantar foot pain. And uh, one of the things that I thought we would do, we sort of, uh, in talking about how we might uh, deal with this episode, said, well, why don't we kind of split some of the topic up into looking at how we might evaluate uh, what's causing plantar foot pain as sort of a, an assessment component. And then also, what can we do for it? Uh, because we obviously want to know what can we do to help our clients who are grappling with that. Well, that sort of uh, falls into our treatment component. So, I'm going to sort of cover some of the uh, anatomical background and assessment components. And then in the second half here, turn it over to you. And we're going to look at some uh, key treatment strategies that would be helpful for people as well. Sounds awesome. Yeah. So let's take a look at some key anatomical factors here that play a part in our assessment and evaluation of what's going on with the foot, uh, with plantar foot pain. And one of the things that I wanted to start off with um, discussing here is, is something I refer to as the lens of bias. And this is a you know, topic of plantar foot pain is a great place to address that. And what I, what I mean by that is that um, as sort of massage and manual therapy practitioners, we tend to focus a great deal of our attention on muscle structures because that's what we tend to work with a lot. And uh, it, it's important, I think, for us all to realize that um, virtually every practitioner has this sort of lens of bias uh, that they uh, look at things through based on the way they're tr they're trained and based on the way we orient our practice. But of course, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but of course, uh, I don't have a bias because I was fascially trained. Of course, that's right. <laughs> that's good to know. Okay, thank you. So, yeah, um, 
I always tell people that, uh, especially in the massage world, we have a tendency to look at the world through muscle colored glasses because nice. uh, it is something that we tend to do a great deal. But this, uh, this topic mm -hmm. of plantar foot pain is great because it lets us really say, hey, there's a lot of other things that we need to consider here that may be potentially relevant. So let's take a little quick tour through some anatomical structures and things that might also be playing a role in plantar foot pain. And then we'll talk about how that plays a part in, in several of the uh, conditions and things that we're going to uh, get into. So first place we're going to start off here is with some of these deeper connective tissues around the foot and ankle. So, uh, or excuse me, in the plantar foot region in particular, we're looking here on the bottom surface of the foot at some of the deep connective tissues around here, such as the, uh, Again, we think a lot about like the plantar fascia, but there's a lot of other ligaments, tendons, and muscles that are deep to that plantar fascia, which may also be a source of many pain complaints. For example, we have this long plantar ligament that also attaches to the anterior facet of the calcaneus, and the pain that might be caused from uh, excessive load on that ligament. For example, the, the arch of the foot, when somebody's uh, uh, bearing weight, the arch helps spread that weight out and that long plantar ligament takes some of that tensile load. So if there's pulling on the attachment sites of that plantar ligament on the anterior calcaneus, that can give pain that could be mistaken for plantar fascia pain. The other thing I want to call attention to here, this is an interesting group of ligamentous structures, the transverse metatarsal ligaments. These ligaments span between the distal end of the metatarsal heads and they play a very prominent role in some nerve impingement problems in the foot, surprisingly. A lot of people don't think about them and their potential role here, but let me just give you a brief explanation of why. If we put on some of the nerve uh, tissues that are around here, we'll take a look um, at the, in particular, digital plantar nerves, these small, thin nerves that go all the way down into the toes, but you'll notice they are uh, superficial to the uh, transverse metatarsal ligament, meaning they're closer to the surface on the bottom of the foot. Now, the reason that that is particularly important is when people are in certain positions, for example, a runner who is in this toe-off position and their foot and toes are hyperextended, when they're in that position, and this is the same thing that's true for anybody who's walking, running, or doing anything with they, when they push off with their foot, that sort of both strings those digital plantar nerves against the transverse metatarsal ligament. So if there is some type of nerve irritation or irritability in these nerves, when you pull the toes into hyperextension, you're both stringing those nerves against that very firm and stiff transverse metatarsal ligament. So that can be a cause of pain. It's usually pain into the toes, but it also sometimes can be felt on the plantar surface of the foot. So these are some of the key uh, ligamentous structures that we want to pay attention to and their, their role in uh, a number of uh, foot complaints that may happen in that area as well. That's great. I just want to make sure I'm following. Your first distinction was between the plantar ligament, and this will, I think, be especially helpful for our audio listeners. The plantar ligament and the plantar fascia, is that right? You were distinguishing yeah. those two? Yeah. Which so one is deeper? So the, the long plantar ligament is very deep, based yeah. uh, basically laying up against the, un, think about it, the underside of the calcaneus and all the tarsal bones. Yep. And there are numerous layers of tendinous and muscle tissues over the top of that. And then the most superficial, just under the skin, is the plantar fascia. The plantar, a broader fascial sheet just under the skin. That's the plantar exactly. fascia yeah. per se. Exactly. And then, your, and then your second interesting distinction was the transverse metatarsal ligaments right around those joints in the midfoot there. 
and you're saying that's a target area where the the smaller nerves can get impinged or compressed, especially yeah. in toe-off position. Exactly. Yeah. So it's more like they're getting bowstrung across bow the strength. internet. So yep. we talk about neural tension sometimes as opposed to compression. Right. We think most commonly of nerve compression problems, but nerves can be exposed to excessive pulling or tensile stress. And this is a place where they get sort of uh, pulled and bowstrung against the underside of that ligament there. And that causes uh, plantar foot pain, but also frequently pain into the toes uh, as well with those ligaments. Now, if we go um, a little bit uh, more superficial from those deep structures, let's begin looking at a couple of the other uh, muscle tissues that are in here that we want to focus on. We have these short interosseous muscles running in between each of the metatarsal heads. And remember, every time we have any of these muscles in here, they could be a potential saw, uh, cause of pain from myofascial trigger points, irritability, overstressing. You know, it's, it's difficult to isolate these muscles because they are so deep. They run in between those metatarsal bones. So they're hard to kind of specifically palpate and identify, but it's really important to keep in mind that they do exist in this area and that they are something that uh, we may want to be uh, paying attention to. Now for our audio listeners, this again would be, you said right between the metatarsals, the set of bones just behind the toes, the long bones of the foot that aren't toes. And you're saying deep in there are muscular myofascial structures that could be a source of nociceptive input. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And it could be, you know, from their attachment points, it could be just, uh, you could have strains to these muscles. It's not particularly common, but they uh, could have you know, just chronic ongoing pain, trigger points, strains, any of those things that affect muscle or myofascial tissues could, could impact those as well. Great. Yeah. Now moving a little bit more superficially from that, we've got uh, another group of muscles on the bottom surface of the foot, the lumbricals, <clears throat> excuse me, which are also sort of long muscles on the bottom surface of the foot. Quite difficult to palpate individually because of the other tissues that overlie this area, but do keep in mind we have each of these single individual lumbrical muscles on the bottom surface of the foot. And again, they could be subject to potential um, myofascial injury, tightness, hypertonicity, trigger point activities, or possibly even strains. Impact trauma is another thing to think about. You know, if you step on something sharp or really pointed, that can cause some degree of. Uh, potential damage, inflammatory reaction, and irritation of those muscles on the bottom surface of the foot. So that is certainly bruising, contusions. Yeah, yep. exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So now these these uh, lumbricals are we we're deep to this, to the plantar fascia. Yeah. Are we as deep as the long plantar ligament? Yeah, so these are about the same level as the long plantar ligament. For those of you on the video um, uh, feed here, you can see there's sort of attaching, got some fibrous attachments into that ligament. So pretty close to the same level as that deep uh, plantar ligament in there, but a bit more superficial with, with their location there. Now, I, I hope this is an okay time for this question. How important do you think it is for me as a practitioner to really know, say, individual lumbricals or uh, the individual muscle structures? I would say personally, because we can't really identify them individually very well, it's probably not a crucial thing for you to know and recognize each of those individually. The thing that I think is really important is for everybody to realize there's a lot of stuff deep to the plantar fascia. Uh, and yeah. just keep that in mind as a general guideline, because we tend to say, you know, we tend to frequently jump to those things that are most familiar. So a person comes in and says, I got a pain on the bottom surface of my foot. 
And your mind immediately goes, oh, plantar fascia, because that's what right. you hear about all the time, that plantar fasciitis. But yes. it's really important to remember there's a lot of stuff underneath there. And that's just kind of what I want to hit on today is just noting there's a number of other things to think about that may also be uh, potential problems in there. And I love it that you named the lens a bias and our named muscles set us up for that kind of bias toward muscles. Yeah. Now from the fascial bias, we say it's probably the wrappings that are more sensitive even, and it might be the intermuscular septa or the uh, paramecium around those muscles that could have higher innervation levels. But in any case, those are useful concepts. You know, there's lots of little structures, lots of little layers, lots of little bundles and envelopes there throughout the foot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and next I want to point to an interesting muscle here that you actually, you don't hear about this muscle very often, but it plays a role, I think, in a number of uh, foot pain complaints that we, we don't see so frequently. And that's the quadratus planti. This is a muscle that attaches to the calcaneus near where the plantar fascia does. So an irritation of this muscle's attachment point right on the anterior calcaneus can easily mimic what we see as symptoms with uh, plantar fasciitis very frequently. But uh, also if you note the attachment point of this muscle, it's actually on the tendon of the flexor digitorum longus muscle. So this, is, this muscle's function is actually to help pull these other individual tendinous slips that go out to each one of the, the toes here. But this muscle can play, it can be injured from, again, uh, overuse, from uh, impact trauma, from all kinds of things on the bottom surface of the foot. And it also plays a role in some other nerve entrapment problems in this area as well. Let me just um, uh, highlight that a little bit here too for those uh, visually, this other muscle that is right next to it here, the abductor digiti minimi muscle. There are nerve structures that go right in between the quadratus planti and the abductor digiti minimi muscle, and they can get compressed and trapped right in this area. And again, this is a nerve entrapment problem <clears throat> that might mimic the symptoms of something like plantar fasciitis with plantar foot pain. But in reality, what you've got is a nerve compression problem going on right on the bottom surface of the foot in between those two muscles. This is actually it. That's uh, really uh, great. That's so important. I'm interrupting you, but that's, that's, uh, I want to, I don't have your visual either. So this is kind of cool. I get to like do this auditorily and just from memory, that adductor halysis goes from the big toe back toward the medial malleolus, maybe tucking underneath the foot a little bit. So if I'm feeling the medial side of my own foot, it kind of starts at the big toe and then wraps up toward the ankle bone. Yeah. Is that more or less right? Yeah. And uh, the, uh, this particular muscle here where that nerve compression is can yes. be a little bit more toward the lateral aspect of the foot over here too. So that quadratus planti is right down the middle and then yes. moving a little bit toward the lateral side is where that uh, tends to be where that nerve compression problem is occurring in there. So um, this is, again, it's a little bit difficult to isolate because if you do have a nerve compression problem in this area, if you press on it, it could, it could mimic the exact symptoms of somebody who's got a plantar fasciitis because it's usually quite sore and tender in that area. But this is one of the things that gets back to the integration of history with the evaluation process because we always want to try to identify in our history taking with our client what are the kind of symptoms that they're expressing? So if they're really sharp, almost electrical kind of sensations, or they're, they're getting those sensations in positions that would stress maybe the neural structures, but not necessarily the muscle tendon structures, that could be a, a clarifying distinction, a distinction to determine which one of those things might be a potential problem in there. So I, there's something I keep in mind as I'm working in those zones. If there's a quality of pain, 
that's being evoked that suggests nerve pain, like that sharpness you mentioned or a hot electric pain, then I think, okay, there may be a nerve entrapment issue as well as any tissue generated nociception. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple other things to, to look at here. We've got some other deep tendons or uh, deep tendons along this area that come right down through here. They're part of the uh, major tendons that are in the uh, deep posterior compartment and come around the medial side of the ankle. There's three main ones here, the flexor hallucis longus, flexor digitorum longus, and tibialis posterior. Those main tendons that come around the medial side of the ankle also have tendon sheaths surrounding them. And for those of you uh, watching visually, let's see if we can uh, take a look at that. These, these tendon sheaths are designed to help reduce um, compression underneath the flexor retinaculum, which is this uh, structure on the medial side of the ankle. It's just like the, the retinaculum on your wrist where carpal tunnel syndrome occurs. You have this thick binding connective tissue that spans between the medial malleolus and the calcaneus. And those tendons have to take a right angle turn as they go right around the medial side of the ankle and course down into the foot. And those tendons are surrounded by a sheath in this area. And you can have a, an inflammatory irritation that develops between the tendon and the sheath from usually biomechanical problems of the foot like overpronation, <clears throat> excuse me, where a person is overpronating their foot, those tendons are exposed to excessive tensile loading, and that may cause an irritation of that tendon sheath, that inflammatory reaction in there. So various foot shapes or biomechanical uh, positions of the foot can cause those tendons to become more susceptible to some of the uh, chronic overuse things that we see happening with tendons. This, so the territory, you're talking about the medial side of the ankle, the wrapping around of those three muscles around the medial side, how they have tendon sheaths around them. There's tons of movement in there. They're under the retinacula, and there are places that the, there can be irritation, there can be sensitivity, like a lot of other tendinous places. Now, the biomechanical connection to pronation, I should just say, is debated. There are, there are things that have... Uh, shaken my belief in that point of view enough that I'm agnostic on that question about whether pronation is a contributing factor or not. And I can share okay. some of those references in the show notes if you want. Yeah. Do we have time for you to, to give us a brief share of your, your thoughts on that? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm curious to know. In this study, and um, I believe it's Warren 1984, mm -hmm. there was not a big correlation between these different uh, factors being foot uh, arch height or degree of subtalar pronation mm -hmm. and plantar fascia pain huh. in this, in this uh, big study of different uh, people with that symptom that didn't seem to be a big factor. And that's, there is a point of view that takes that as an accepted uh, approach that it's less related to say pronation, supination and more to some other factors. But again, that's under debate. And the conventional wisdom says, yeah, if, there, if you show a lot of pronation, that's going to stress that ligament. It just goes intuitively to think that. And it could be. Certainly in some cases, I wouldn't argue that at all. Yeah. So again, <clears throat> these are really great concepts because it, it makes us recognize that there, this is a very biomechanically complex area. And there's numerous things that can play roles in here. You can have one person that's got you know really poor arch structure, um, chronic overpronation and all kinds of other apparently problematic biomechanical issues and no pain uh, in their foot or no di apparent dysfunction in there. So again, the, the presence of that is um, sometimes a factor and sometimes not a factor. And this is again, I think, where uh, a thorough and detailed client history 
becomes really important because we have to determine when is that a problem for each individual because for some people it is and other people it's not as much of a problem. So let's keep uh, coursing uh, a little bit more superficially here. We've got a number of other um, structures that are, we're going to contact as we more, move more superficially. You had mentioned some things here too with the abductor halysis muscle. This is a big one. It's pretty easy to palpate pretty superficially on the medial side of the foot here. And we also have the uh, flexor digitorum brevis, which is a small, uh, smaller muscle intrinsic to the foot attaching to the calcaneus and also blending in with tendons that go to the flexor digitorum longus all the way into the toes. So these are, again, two more muscles deep to the plantar fascia, which could be potentially problematic with uh, pain sensations that people are having on the base of their foot. And then super more superficial to that. And again, this is a little bit challenging visually for people when you talk about things being superficial, but it's moving down toward the, the ground surface because superficial on the foot means closer to the skin surface. So just underneath the skin is where that uh, thick plantar fascia is. So now we come up with uh, um, all these different layers and the most superficial layer under the skin is the plantar fascia itself, going from, of course, the anterior calcaneus and spanning into each of these individual uh, digits with fascial connections that go all the way through here. Um, one thing I wanna call our attention back to, to something you were mentioning until a moment ago too is that you know, some of the other muscle tendon attachment points can be the source of pain complaints in this area. For example, the tibialis posterior has attachments to almost every one of the, um, the bones on the bottom surface of the foot, the tarsal bones. I think there's one of them that it skips. Um, and so attachment sites where that tibialis posterior is constantly pulling, if it's under excessive tensile loading from various uh, maybe mechanical distortions or something like that, can cause a condition called enthesitis, which is an inflammatory irritation of the attachment point of those tendons. And that's another thing that could potentially cause pain on the bottom surface of the foot that would be really deep uh, because it's that uh, those tendon attachments are on the bones of the foot muscles and not superficial in those tissues. So that'd be another factor that we want to take into, into consideration as we do our evaluation of what might be potentially causing some pain complaints in there. Okay, there's so much detail here, and you have so, such a wealth of information. I want to make sure that you have time to get out the things you think are most important for us to know. What, what is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I won't slow you down anymore, but tell us what you think the most important things you want to make sure we cover are. So a couple of the things that I want to also focus some attention on here are what are the types of problems that we want to look for and that might be potentially problematic as we've looked at these different anatomical structures. So clearly, as we talk about muscle tendon complaints, we have the common types of problems to look for, such as myofascial trigger points, simple hypertonicity, uh, problems at the attachment points of those muscles, the enthesitis. And again, our history is going to tell us a lot about those we tend to see a lot of the problems in the foot region being associated with chronic overuse, you know, um, exercise activities, you know, aerobics, dance classes, or just starting a new running regimen or something like that. Usually there's something in the history that will point to a sudden increase in activity loads, or it may be a particular type of footwear that you're wearing, some of the other types of biomechanical challenges that the foot is exposed to. You know, this, our feet take a huge pounding on a day-to-day -day basis. If you look at a lot of the sort of force plate studies that they do in biomechanics, that the, the foot is exposed to something like three to four times the body weight on each foot strike when you're running. So take your body weight and multiply that by three or four times and then multiply that by the number of foot strikes when you, 
you know, take a quick little mile run around the block or something like that. That's a lot of cumulative uh, load that's in there. So that's something to certainly think about with the, the muscle tendon complaints. We mentioned earlier too, a lot of those deep ligamentous structures and remember every one of those tarsal bones in the foot has ligaments that span between them. A lot of sudden injuries of the foot may sprain those ligaments, either overstretching them just a little bit or overstretching them to the point of there being some tearing in there. But that's certainly likely to kick off the inflammatory response so that you're going to have chemical mediators in there floating around in the foot that are possibly going to irritate the nociceptive nerve endings. Lots of potential things could cause uh, pain complaints from, from ligament sprains that are in there. And we spoke earlier too about some of the nerve tissues that are coming down through this area, the, especially the tibial nerve as it comes down around the side of the ankle and splits off into the medial and lateral plantar nerves and goes down into the foot. Pain from compression of that tibial nerve, especially around this area here, which is called the tarsal tunnel. This is on the medial side of the ankle, just uh, underneath that flexor retinaculum compression of that nerve or irritation of that nerve in this region can easily produce pain on the bottom surface of the foot that is frequently mistaken for plantar surface or plantar fascia pain. And so uh, one of the things from an assessment perspective that we will try to do to, to make some distinction is because of the location of this nerve on the side of the ankle, you can come up and sort of press your thumbs just uh, inferior to the medial malleolus and press on the neural structures in this area. And if that aggravates the plantar foot pain, that is a lot more likely to be a cause of, of tarsal tunnel or tibial nerve compression than it would be plantar fasciitis. Because again, you're not pressing on the plantar fascia, not irritating it any further. So pressing or palpating those uh, areas where they're likely to be particularly tender is going to enhance a lot of what we can find. So there's a number of different key strategies here that include, you know, visible things that we might see. Do we see any uh, particularly visible um, inflammation? Do we see discoloration? Do we see some indicators of other major tissue trauma or tissue injury? Uh, those things will be particularly important along with swelling, our palpatory yeah, swelling, mm -hmm. a big one there, um, mm -hmm. especially for the ligament sprains. Um, any of those things will be uh, important indicators that'll help us identify when some of those things are particular problems. There are a number of uh, sort of special orthopedic tests that are sometimes used to help identify some of the problems around this area. And you can look a lot of these tests up in some of the uh, orthopedic manuals. But I will also say, I am a big advocate of not getting too wrapped up in trying to memorize and perform a lot of these procedures because the basic evaluation of active movement and passive movement and some of the manual resistive tests and palpation that you do on this area to really specifically investigate some of those soft tissues can give you a whole lot of really valuable information in many instances without having to feel like you have to, you know, memorize or perform all of these special testing procedures. But as we had noted earlier, because we do have so many of these different uh, tissues on the bottom surface of the foot, it can be difficult to isolate particular movements of the foot and ankle region like you do in, let's say, another joint like the arm or the, you know, the shoulder or the knee or something like that. Much easier to isolate the movements there than it is between all these individual foot bones. But uh, those are some of the key things that we want to focus on or attention on from uh, sort of an assessment perspective. And uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll sort of delve into this in a little bit more detail until you're going to sort of run us through now some, some treatment concepts that will be helpful for addressing some of our key plantar foot pain issues, right? I am. And I just want to say, can we, uh, is it okay if we put your outline into the handout here? That's sure. So, you have it so clearly outlined here. Yeah. And Absolutely, I can, we'll do that. As, uh, there's so much great detail there. 
that I think that's something that I'd really recommend is go download the optional handout from the link where you got this, uh, either the uh, podcast or the webinar, and you'll get to see uh, Whitney's clear uh, outline of, of the different structures he's talking about and how they can contribute. One of the key points there being, well, we don't know if it's the plantar surface per se that is the irritated zone or if there's a nerve perhaps yeah. that's being entrapped. And that palpation around the side of the ankles is a key differential, a key, uh, key way to know that we can actually uh, suspect nerve entrapment, say if it's tender around those ankles. Yeah. With uh, the, and do you agree with the, it's probably oversimplification, uh, that the nerves around the medial side are more likely to cause the plantar fascia area to be sensitized, while the uh, lateral side would tend to show up more as a heel sensitivity? Yes, absolutely. And that's just because of the pathway of those nerves and the similarity that they have to those other sensations. I, say that, I would say that's definitely true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks again for that. Let's go ahead and uh, shift gears and we'll get uh, set up to show you a couple of these concepts as well. Sounds great. Okay, so before we go to the table, let me just give you a couple of concepts. And this is a little overlap with what you've presented, Whitney, so clearly. But I, I like to think of there being four main stressors that could be part of that plantar foot pain. And uh, the first one being mechanical stress. That's the conventional explanation for a lot of what used to be called almost exclusively plantar fasciitis. And then, by the way, went to uh, fasciosis, where the inflammatory aspect was being debate, debated. And now the pendulum has swung back and we're saying, most people are saying, well, there actually is an inflammatory initiation to a lot of that pain. But whether it's inflammatory or just injury, that was the basic debate, there's a mechanical stressor there. And in, when I'm thinking mechanical stressors, it's basically a stress coming from outside of the foot into the foot often. And it could be the as simple as just having your knees locked. That could uh, stress the backside of the body such that that Achilles tendon transmits the force either around the calcaneus, if you think of the calcaneus like a kneecap, which is this interesting concept that I just shared with you, Whitney, in that study we saw. Yeah the kneecap within the tendon of the conjoined Achilles tendon and the plantar fascia, or whether you think of the continuity of the bone uh, as a puller on that plantar fascia, but the back of the body seems to mechanically pull on the plantar surface of the foot. And so it's definitely something to think about in terms of its uh, con contributors there mechanically. Dorsiflexion limitations have been pretty strongly correlated with plantar, plantar foot pain. And whether it's cause or effect, it's a little hard to say, but there seems to be a therapeutic benefit to helping people have more dorsiflexion. That's ease of pulling their toes and foot up. Uh, as well as general foot adaptability, really high stiff arches could be thought to be a contributor as much as low uh, unspringy arches. The, the question being a difference in adaptability. How much is, are the foot bones able to adapt to each heel strike or each foot strike? And how much can they adapt to the different demands we put on them? If they can't adapt, then it may be that the plantar uh, tissues themselves get demanded upon too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Overuse, huge factor. You mentioned that. And then contusions, you mentioned that as well. So those yeah. are the mechanical stressors. Yeah. One of the things too you were mentioning that I think is really important for, for people to remember, especially that whole concept of the the role of uh, the gastroc and soleus and their pulling on the Achilles tendon is that oftentimes a key factor of addressing something like pain on the bottom surface of the foot really involves working somewhere else because of the 
the relationships of how that, like you mentioned, is pulling on the calcaneus and that's altering mechanics. Again, not only of the plantar fascia, but those other tissues that we saw, like the quadratus planti, the deep plantar ligament, all those other tissues that are attached to that uh, calcaneus as well. And so then the most direct and obvious connections, I said, are in the back of the leg, like the Achilles complex, the gastroc soleus, fascial, acrural fascia, that kind of stuff. But there's bigger connections, like even, I mentioned knee position, but even your pelvic mobility, your spinal curves, the amount of head forward position, perhaps, all those things could be thought to contribute to a lack of adaptability along the backside of your body there. It could manifest as sensitivity at the bottom of the foot. Yeah. Okay, you mentioned nerve stress and gave us some nice clear indicators about that. Uh, I mentioned inflammatory stress, that that's the role of inflammation is debated in say plantar fasciitis or fasciosis, but a lot of it seems to at least start that way or be aggravated by inflammatory factors. The short version of that story is it could be local inflammation from say a bruising or an injury or a repeated strain, or it could be systemic. And there, if you have any con uh, systemic contributors to your inflammatory load, including just getting older, that could make you more likely to have plantar foot pain with an inflammatory contributor. We have, uh, I mean, I have a lot to say about inflammation and uh, I'm going to save that for some of the time, right. except that you'll, you'll see it embedded in the way that I'm working at the table when we get in there. Yeah. And then we should for sure bookmark psychosocial stress too, as we learn more and more about how pain is not just a biological, but a psychosocial phenomenon. And this harkens back to the view that the feet are a source of support, perhaps, our emotional support, physical support, but also emotional support. They're certainly tied uh, really clearly to our mobility, our ability to exercise and manage stress, those kinds of things. So if there's pain in the foot, that could have all sorts of psychosocial factors that tie in with, say, isolation or sleep disruption. And so, and then other, it goes the other way too. So the stressors in your life or stressors in the world could be a factor toward this uh, sensitivity yeah. at the bottom of the foot. Uh, can you think of any stressors in the world right now? I, I'm having a hard time thinking. It's pretty, pretty mild right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> so then we can pretty much assume it's mechanical if someone's foot hurts. Always, always. Yeah. Okay. All right. So thanks. Let's go to the uh, table and I'm going to show you a couple of these ideas. Great. Look forward to seeing it. All right. So if you haven't got the handout, that'll help you a lot, but I'll go ahead and talk you through this little set of 10 techniques that I put together as emblematic or representative techniques of how I might work with uh, plantar fascia pain. The first one on page one in the handout is called the dorsiflexion test. That's just looking to see how much dorsiflexion someone has comparing left and right. If there's not a lot of dorsiflexion or especially if there's pain in the sole of the foot during dorsiflexion, then we can suspect that's a factor either correlative or contributive to that plantar foot pain. Uh, well, an easy way to do a dorsiflexion test is have your client walk up to the wall and touch the knees, touch their knees to the wall with their heels on the ground and find the distance from the wall where that's comfortable and then gradually back that off centimeter by centimeter until you get to a place where the heels either need to lift or there's uh, enough discomfort that lets you know that you've found something that might be contributing to that pain. Number two in the handout is the curl re fascia retinacula technique. In that technique, I'm using a gentle touch and fing actually fingernails to slide the stockings of the curl fascia and the retinacula around the ankle and around the lower leg. Um, it's actually a fairly light touch to begin with. It's thinking about just like sliding someone's socks around. The curl fascias are wrapping around the entire lower leg and blends in with the 
fascial wrappings of the, the plantar fascia of the top of the foot as well as the bottom of the foot. So I'm sliding those layers with a beginning, a light touch, and then using a little more fingernail to grab that layer, a little more of a glide. That might have mechanical uh, effects of letting things slide easier under it. Certainly it could help any nerve entrapment there around the medial or lateral ankle be a little easier as well. Number three in the sequence was the gastrox with plantar and dorsiflexion. That's indicated when there has been a dorsiflexion restriction, a type one where there's you're not able to go as far because of something tight in the back of the leg. And in that, in that technique, I have my soft fist under the client's leg on the table. They're face up on the table. My soft fist is under their gastroc and I'm using my knuckle to gently feel up into the gastroc complex as they plan to flex and dorsiflex the foot. Throughout the entire length of that gastroc, soleus, Achilles complex, just making sure that that's differentiated and springy is the theme there. Then I might follow that up with uh, some clients if there was a dorsiflexion restriction with some interosseous membrane of the leg work is that lack of adaptability between the tibia and fibula can inhibit dorsiflexion right there where the tib and fib clamp around the talus, the wedge-shaped talus. So there's a technique in the handout that's uh, helpful for help for more different or more adaptability, you could say, between the tibia and fibula, helping the talus move a little freer. The plantar foot itself, uh, number five, if you got the handout, is me using my thumbs to gently press and release into the entire surface of the foot initially to warm it up and prepare it, get it used to my touch and the pressure there, but also to assess and map out any sensitivity, any tender places. I'll combine that with my client's active movement of the toes, lifting and curling the toes, say, to begin to elicit some uh, movement and gliding at those deep structures. I can, once I, things warm up and get a little easier, I can actually feel down pretty deep, maybe even between the bones there where Whitney was describing and feel for the tissue qualities and tissue sensitivity there in uh, even perhaps as far as lumbricals, but certainly into the deep uh, plantar flexors, the toe flexors there on the plantar surface of the foot. The plantar fascia itself, number six in the handout, is a more superficial structure. It's just under the skin. It has its own layering, just its own sheath and core. The core is very dense and aligned collagen structures. The sheath, very, fairly thick on a lot of people, is more interconnected collagen fibers. Most of the vasculature and innervation of that plantar fascia is in those outer layers. I'll throw a reference to that and some cool pictures into the show notes for this as well, because you can feel for layering within just the superficial layers of the foot. The goal there is normalizing sensation, not scraping it uh, clean, uh, as much as helping someone actually move there in a comfortable way. So my pressure isn't that deep, honestly. It doesn't have to do much beyond hook a layer and have someone move. Because my goal in this approach is, is gliding, hydration, restoration of natural perfusion, those kinds of things, more than say mechanically stripping or even a pin and stretch kind of approach where it's, trying, it's aiming for some uh, tissue lengthening effect. Um, uh, we don't have a lot of evidence that we can do that tissue lengthening in any lasting way for sure. We do have evidence that glide changes with good manual therapy work and that that improves uh, pain. It helps pain be better when there's a better glide there for a bunch of different mechanisms. 
the calcaneus uh, medial side is a place to work. I show some uh, in the ABMP webinar, if you to go tune in for that, or when that appears on Whitney's side or my site later, you can go see me working with some of those ideas around the heel. But uh, the, in the handout is page seven, shows some gentle ways to work around that malleolus where there could be some tendon sheath irritation or some of that nerve entrapment that could contribute to plantar foot pain. The transtarsal techniques on page eight and nine, I have my client on the side and I'm bending the foot over a rolled towel or the rolled edge of the table. You can imagine a rolled towel under the edge of your foot and someone bending your foot uh, in a flat plane over that. So essentially it's like a, a bear paw or a duck foot curving the foot in two directions, both inward and outwardly. And that's, then you get a sense of that technique. Uh, We'll try to post, again, in the, in the handout, there'll be a picture of that uh, and try to post a little bit of instructions there because it's a very unusual movement for the foot to make, but, but it really does help liberate those deep structures that Whitney was describing where those nerves can become windless around the metatarsal ligaments. Now, I'll ask for a little bit of client toe movement there once they get their foot into one of those adducted or abducted positions as well. The sequence ends this uh, you know, lightning sequence that might take me more than one session to get through, but the sequence ends with some foot and knee awareness, getting your client up and having them stand and describe some of what they feel in their foot now that you've worked on it, and maybe playing with softening the knees, tightening the knees so they get a comparison of what happens in their foot with each of those positions. A lot of times that makes some lights goes off, goes off or connects some dots for clients where that knee locking or spinal, uh, lack of spinal adapt adaptation could be a factor in their foot pain. Just playing with that and standing now that their sensitivities may heightened can really help them feel sometimes how those connections are very obvious and tangible. So that's the, that's the verbal description of some of those techniques. I do encourage you to download the handouts or check out the video, but hopefully that gives you even just enough ideas just with the verbal part. What do you think, Whitney? Perfect. Anything you wanna add there? That's really helpful to get some ideas of uh, how we can best address some of these uh, potential problems with our clients here. Great. So in summary, think about the whole body, the whole foot, and the whole person. Think about adaptability through those whole things. Even if their pain is just the front of their heel there, front of the calcaneus, it more than likely has contributors and certainly weighs into that system by thinking of the whole. Track for flaring. Uh, especially if you use pressure in your work, don't keep uh, flaring it up. There's an approach that says we can be high stakes and flare it up on purpose once or twice. I'm not recommending this. I'm just saying there are approaches that take this uh, point of view that flaring it up once or twice can actually reset the inflammatory cycle and help it resolve. That's a high stakes maneuver because your client is going to be less comfortable afterwards. That'll be a lot of instrument assisted meth methods and things like that. Not inevitably insensitive, but that's a risk. And what I see really common say in a massage therapy circles or even, even structural integration circles is the constant working of that uh, sore sole of the foot and essentially keeping it inflamed. Same thing with a ball work, like I mentioned there at the table. So avoid the, Flaring once or twice, maybe, but beyond that, change your approach if, if someone feels worse or there's no improvement after your session. The general principles for those test shoes are to avoid compression, thus the, avoiding the ball. Encourage glide, 
loading. There's a lot of interesting self-care that we didn't get into at all involving, say, gentle heel raises. I will often refer my clients to their PT if they're working with a PT for some customized advice, or even a tra personal trainer can really help them. Customized advice on heel raises because that can really help someone's plantar fascia pain, but it's not the kind of thing I would, without really being able to customize it to the client, I would just recommend uh, across the board. Uh, perfusion and sensation, helping people feel the sole of foot, helping there be fluid flow through there's gonna be helpful as well. Mostly we're gonna make it safe for people to move, get out there and walk and do stuff. Walking helps a lot of people's plantar foot pain. Again, if it's flaring, then something needs to change, but walking is a, an acute pain reliever for a lot of people as well. That's what I got, Whitney. That sounds great. And thanks so much for those suggestions and the wrap up. I think we've done uh, a good number of things to hit on some key components to look for in identifying causes of plantar foot pain and some great strategies for addressing that with our clients as well. Okay. Well, you know, let us know if you got questions. You can contact us through our sites. Enjoy the rest of your day, the rest of the ABMP event if you're doing it online. Go check out those handouts for sure. And ABMP is a proud sponsor of the Thinking Practitioner podcast. All massage therapists and body workers can access free ABMP resources and information on the coronavirus and the massage profession at abmp.com forward slash COVID-19, including sample release forms, PPE guides, and a special issue of Massage and Bodywork magazine where Till and I are frequent contributors. So also check out the ABMP podcast, which is available at abmp.com forward slash podcasts or wherever you prefer to listen. Yep. Thanks to uh, ABMP and to Books of Discovery, our sponsors for today's podcast episode. Stop by the thinkingpractitioner.com for show notes, handouts, or transcripts, and extras. Those are also available on Whitney's site. What is your site, Whitney? They can find that also over at the Academy of Clinical Massage.com. Until where can they find your resources there? My site is advanced trainings.com. We post all of the transcripts and everything there as well. If you have questions, you can email us both at info at the thinking practitioner.com or look for us each on social media. I'm at Till Luca, my name. How about you, Whitney? And also I'm at Whitlow and also on Facebook under my name as well. So you can follow us on Spotify, rate us on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you listen. Do tell a friend and thank you all so much for listening. We really do appreciate the listeners and the great feedback from everybody as well. So that will wrap up our discussion on plantar foot pain and we'll look forward to another interesting discussion uh, with some fascinating topics here in another couple weeks. Thank you, Whitney. All right, sounds good. We'll see you then.